is leading us in these specific ways. And so, just to start off, as I was thinking about this, I think the first thing that we all ought to do as a church body this evening is just pause for a moment and be filled with thankfulness over all that the Lord has been doing. Uh, In the last two years alone, the Lord has added to our number by over 77 souls. That's remarkable. Psalms 118, 23-24 says, This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we should. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6 teaches us that all growth comes from God. That is spiritual growth, first and foremost, as well as physical. He is the source of all growth and the source of all life. And so when we start seeing God's people coming to gather with the rest of God's people to listen to God's word and respond to it in obedient faith. And when we start seeing people, God's people, joining themselves to us and and starting to experience that mutual upbuilding that's talked about in Ephesians 4.12, all of this comes as an unmerited gift straight from the heart of God. We are in the middle, if you want to think about it this way, of a living, moving miracle called the church. As Romans 11.36 says, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. So to Him be glory forever. Amen. That ought to be our response right now as a church as well. We ought to give God all the praise and all the honor and all the glory for what He is doing and how He is working in people's hearts and minds. We ought to be filled with thankfulness and all. But not only that, but when we think about God's gifts, we are called by God to, two, to do two other things in Scripture beyond giving God thanks for them. We are called by God to faithfully steward those gifts and invest in them. Which brings us to tonight and our meeting together. Uh, we as elders wanted to share with you how the Lord has been leading us to approach the stewardship and investment of two gifts God has given us as a faith family. And those two gifts are our body and our building. So that's kind of the outline that we're following tonight. So first, we are called to faithfully steward and invest in the gift of our church body. In our church body, we have now, the last time I checked, 212 active voting members in our church with a weekly attendance that continues to approach and even surpass 300 at times. And I want you to think about that not as a number. I want you to think about that as the people that that number represents. 300 individual lives. 300 souls who have their own struggles and fears, joys and sorrows. 300 souls that need to be taught about the love of Jesus Christ and counseled in the doctrines of God's Word. 300 souls that need to be evangelized with the gospel of Jesus Christ and be discipled and taught to follow Him. 300 souls that we as church leaders are called to keep watch over and shepherd, to nourish and cherish. 300 souls that one day we as church leaders are going to have to give an account before God for concerning the shepherding and discipling of each and every one. That's heavy. (laughs) Now, we as elders and I as your pastor, we strive to be faithful in that calling. 
That's why we have our care groups that we seek to watch and pray over. That's why we're working on equipping men to follow Jesus and spiritually lead their own lives and families so that one day, potentially, they can do so in the church. And that's why we're striving to keep the word of grace and the throne of grace and the fellowship of grace at the center of everything that we're doing here as a church body. It's because we recognize that we as leaders are called on not only to impart spiritual learning and knowledge to others, but we are called by our Savior and Lord to disciple. To not only say to others, this is what is true, but also to show others, this is how you live it out. We are burdened to do more and better in the area of discipleship. And so as such, we want you to know that we've begun the process of looking for a full-time associate pastor to multiply the ministry here at Grace Chapel. We've nearly finished the assembling of our search committee. Right now we're creating our church informational packets for potential candidates, and then we'll begin the process of receiving resumes and interviewing those candidates. And we wanted you to know that this search for an associate pastor comes right out of pursuing our church's mission and vision. Which is, if you recall, and I've tried to mention it as often as possible, even on Sunday mornings, is to glorify God by making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ through the Word of Grace, the Throne of Grace, and the Fellowship of Grace. If you'll notice, the central action we as a church are called on there to pursue is to glorify God. It's why we gather together as God's people. And how do we do that? What are the primary commands God has given us as a church to live out as a body together? It is to make disciples and it is to mature them for the glory of God. And though the elders were way ahead of me on this, honestly, in recognizing a need for another pastor, I wanted to share with you tonight how the Lord slowly opened my eyes to the need of an associate pastor um, is by simply thinking through what my scriptural calling is as your pastor. Acts chapter 6, verse 4 says this, We must devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And then 2 Timothy 2.2 2 says that I am to take this gospel ministry that's been entrusted to me by the grace of God and I am to carefully entrust it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So that means that my efforts in ministry is to be focused on three areas, primarily as your senior pastor. It is preaching, prayer, and personal discipleship, especially of men. And and, and, that, and the reason why my ministry should be focused on those three things is because everything builds from those three most important points. As men are encouraged to follow closely after Jesus, they begin to shepherd their wives and their families well. And as those men begin to shepherd their families and wives well, the church recognizes them as having the gifts of spiritual oversight and leadership. And as the church recognizes those men as being gifted as spiritual leaders, they become the next generation of lay elders. And then as those men become the next generation of lay elders, they are raised up to become the next pastors and church planters and missionaries sent out from our church. See, the whole process of building up the church for the next generation begins with preaching, prayer, and personal discipleship. And so as I was thinking through that, if I'm going to fulfill my ministry, I have got to focus my efforts as much, as much as possible on making sure that our church is accomplishing those three uh, areas 
as well as possible. Just like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26, I don't box as one that's beating the air. In other words, I must lay my hands to the plow of preaching, prayer, and personal discipleship. And that's when I realized, you know what? I'm only one guy. And if I'm going to lean into and focus on these priorities as I know that I'm called to do, then you know what would really help? Another man who could join me in this endeavor full-time, share these priorities, and help take on some of the other activities and responsibilities of the church so I can make sure that those three pastoral priorities are being provided to the members of our church and are being focused on for the building up of the body of Christ. So that's exactly what we're doing as we seek another co-laborer in the gospel here. And we wanted to share that with you, directly communicate that with you, to share all of that for two reasons. One so that you would know our heart of ministry that beats behind this search. This is not driven by pragmatism. This is driven by principles. What ought we as a church to be doing? And then two, we wanted to share it with you because we want you to be praying. Pray that God would bring us a man of humility, integrity, and zeal. Like Jonathan Shieldbearer, as I was thinking about it this week, who would come to us as a church and know right away, behold, I am with you, heart and soul. We are confident God has already been preparing the right man for this position, and so we just ask you to begin praying that God would give us wisdom and discernment as we start this process of seeking to understand what the will of the Lord is. So God has given us as a faith family the gift of this church body, and we as church leaders want to faithfully steward and invest in this gift for the glory of God. Second, we are called to faithfully steward and invest in the gift not only of our church body, but also of our church building. And here again, I think the best way to start discussing this gift from the Lord is to simply give thanks. We need to pause and consider this evening that while it might be common here in the United States, not every local church around the world has a building that is wholly set aside for its members to use as a tool to carrying out the work of their ministry. We out of so many churches around the globe have been given such a gift right here in the heart of this community. This building is an unmerited gift right from the heart of God and we ought to be thanking God for it. Not only that, but just as with the gift of our church body, we ought to faithfully steward the gift of this church building. And we ought to invest in it for the glory of God. We ought to handle it, use it, and make it into the most effective tool possible for accomplishing our God-given mission as a church. See, our purpose as a church ought to shape, saturate, and inform absolutely everything we do. And that includes our facility structure and usage. Yes, there is a spiritual way to look at everything. Because that's why our buildings and our grounds exist to serve the greater mission of the church. Our church has a mission, again, to glorify God by making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ. How? Through the word of grace, the throne of grace, and the fellowship of grace. We have a mission as a church, and we have a God-given gift to aid us in accomplishing that mission. That's this church building. Therefore, we ought to do all we can as good stewards to invest in this gift that God has given us and shape it into the most effective tool possible for ministry here at this place and for our time. 
So these are the principles that have led us over the last five years as ministry leaders and deacons and elders to tonight. In light of the urgent need to make some necessary repairs and improvements to our facility, the elders, having received counsel from the deacons and the various ministries of our church, would like to make a proposal for you as members of Grace Chapel to begin prayerfully considering. But before I get to that, I want to communicate a little bit and include you into the process of how the Lord, we believe, has led us to this point. It all started back in 2017, way before I ever came, when Pastor Randy Jenkins shepherded the church in creating from among our membership eight interim coalition subcommittees to examine the various needs of our church members that our church members were encountering as they were doing the work of the ministry here. And several of the needs discovered through that interim process were related and connected to facility structure, upkeep, repair, and usage. These findings were collected, and then they were handed to me in a big old binder when I became the pastor in August of 2020. So desiring to pick up where uh, my predecessor, Pastor Jenkins, left off after reading through those reports, I presented these facility-related ministry needs to the deacon board, who had several necessary repairs and updates planned as well. And as we compared the two lists, it soon became evident that many of these facility and ministry needs closely overlapped and affected each other quite a bit. For example, just to give you a small taste of this, the deacons were aware of extensive repairs that needed to be made to the west entrance and ramp. Those those repairs would affect the foyer, which was identified in the interim process as an area to improve for welcoming guests and cutting down on congestion before and after services. Those foyer changes would affect the office spaces and locations, fellowship areas for the congregation, as well as the audio-visual booth for the services, which kind of juts out into the foyer a little bit there. The changes necessary to the audio-visual booth, also in need of improvement. If you haven't noticed, there are two plastic tables set up there on precariously... Uh, structured blocks of wood. (laughs) Um, Those changes to the audiovisual booth in need of improvement would affect the wiring and controls that run up to the stage, which in turn affects the music and pulpit ministries, which had identified in that interim uh, committee process several other needed improvements as well. So you get the picture, at least this hopefully small picture of the discussion that we were having. And it doesn't even touch on the other improvements identified by members and visitors over the last several years that, the, that were suggestions given to create a more effective facility, like creating a central, more central, easily identified main entrance on the west side of the church where people can be greeted and directed to various locations. Or also improving accessibility and usage to the third floor of the church, which is not handicap accessible uh, or even elderly accessible really at this point. Or creating specialized locations that emphasize and encourage the importance of the word of grace, the throne of grace, and the fellowship of grace to our church's uh, family life. And so in light of these various interconnected facility and ministry needs, about a year and a half ago, the deacons created a goals committee. It was comprised of individuals from both the elder and the deacon boards to determine the best path forward to address these various facility needs that were impacting our church's ministries. And after a year of research and meetings, the Goals Committee has recommended to the deacons the following proposal, which has been approved by the elders for congregational vote. That proposal is this. 
That proposal is this, to hire a ministry-minded design-build company out of Cedarville, Ohio called Brentwood Builders to develop for our church a master plan for our buildings and grounds. A master plan that will address the various needs of our ministry as well as serve as a roadmap towards creating the most effective tool for ministry possible here for years to come. The process that led us to this recommendation as a goals committee is lengthy, but the process can be broken down, I think, into two basic conclusions we came to. One, the first conclusion is that a third-party outside company is needed to help us guide us through this process. And then the second conclusion was Brentwood Builders is that company to use. So first, a third-party outside company is needed to help guide us through this repair and improvement process. And there are three reasons why the Goals Committee came to this conclusion. First, because of the scope of the project. When combined, just the initial ministry needs and necessary repairs identified will affect the ushers, the staff, the audiovisual team, the musicians, the greeters, and the entire congregation by affecting the stage, the sanctuary, the audiovisual booth, foyer, offices, hallways, parking lot, and more. It will affect the first, the second, and the third floors, and it will be a lengthy enough project that there will have to be careful planning done on how to accomplish it in phases according to budget in a way that enables ministry and worship to continue here as unhindered as possible. A business that specializes in handling projects like this would be very, very helpful because of the scope of the project. Second, because of the wisdom of outside counselors, we came to the conclusion of the need for a third party. Frankly, a project of such scope and impact will require require countless decisions that will affect multiple ministries possessing various interests and perspectives. And whenever you have any decision that needs to be made between multiple parties that have various interests and perspectives, it always helps to bring in the guidance of a third party. For example, in marriage, when a husband and wife can't come to an agreement. The best course of action is to bring in a trusted counselor, someone who is outside the situation and can provide an objective, external, and impartial perspective. If an outside counselor is important when it comes to just two people making a few decisions, how much more is it needed when you're having to make countless decisions that will affect numerous ministries and really the entire church? As we considered this, we realized as church leaders, we can't rely on our own expertise to do this. If we're being honest, we don't even know the right questions to ask, let alone how to come up with the right answers to those questions that we don't even know what to ask. As Proverbs 18, 17 says, the one who states his cause first seems right until another comes and examines him. A business that specializes in doing exactly that for churches and ministries would be very helpful. Because of the scope of the project, because of the wisdom of outside counselors, and then finally, third, because of the necessity to be wise stewards. See, we are called on by God to be wise stewards of our resources as a church body and to wisely oversee as a church not only our money, but also our time and our people to devote towards kingdom purposes and to plan out and to bring to fulfillment a project of this scale on our own would take several years And the time and people that would be absorbed in attempting to do this project ourselves would be time and people not directly engaged in gospel ministry. 
A business that specializes in taking that weight off of a church's hands so that our time and our membership can be focused on performing gospel ministry for the glory of God would be very helpful. Therefore, because of the scope of the project, the wisdom of having outside counselors, and the call to be wise stewards, we as church leaders realize that it would be wise and prudent to lean on an experienced third-party company with the ministry expertise necessary to examine our ministry and facility needs and provide the insight to help us chart a path forward. So that's how we determined in our goals committee why to arrive at a third party. Now, how did we come to the conclusion of saying, okay, then Brentwood Builders is that company we want to look at? When I was considering it, looking back, in hindsight, it's 2020, I think we developed it along in three stages. First, we established characteristics that we were looking for from this third party. The path towards choosing Brentwood began very generally as we discussed among ourselves what would make the best third-party company. And we decided that the best third party is someone who can provide expertise, experience, and an outside perspective. So first, we knew we needed to look for someone with expertise, with expertise, Because you don't want someone who doesn't understand office space or doesn't understand music or doesn't understand audiovisual needs or who doesn't understand parking needs weighing in and making decisions in any of those areas. Just like you wouldn't want someone who's not married to go around giving everyone marriage advice. We need someone with expertise. Second, we also need someone with experience because, again, you wouldn't want someone who doesn't understand it and never worked with churches or ministries trying to navigate all these issues with a church and ministry as if we were a business, right? Just like you wouldn't want someone who's never counseled or never studied the Bible before trying to counsel someone with the Bible. We need someone with experience. And then finally, we realized we needed someone with an outside perspective because you don't want someone who is too close to the situation making biased decisions. Just like you wouldn't want to go to marriage counseling with someone who's the best friend of the husband for counseling the couple on their behavioral issues, right? That individual would be too close, too biased in that situation. You need someone with an outside perspective. So just at a general level, we knew that we needed an outside an outside perspective not directly connected to our church that still understands churches and ministries, that possesses the specific expertise needed to help us as a church make decisions in various ministry areas, and that can provide guidance in areas that directly affect our ministries and their effectiveness. So we kind of establish characteristics, experience, expertise, and outside perspective. All right. Second, we conducted interviews. At that point, having established that that was the type of company we were looking for, we as a goals committee began our interview process, which ended up being about seven months long. We started by reaching out to five local and regional companies, which quickly narrowed down to three. And with each of these three companies, we had at least two face-to-face on-site meetings and interviews with them, as well as various phone calls, emails, and correspondences throughout that seven-month process. And then after establishing characteristics and conducting interviews, we third recognized a match, we believe. The reason why we landed with Brentwood Builders is because of these three reasons. First, Brentwood's qualifications matched perfectly what we were looking for. They had expertise. They understood the various ministry needs and specializations that accompany church facilities and ministries. 
they know how to get those answers from us regarding those questions we don't even know how to ask. They also had the experience that we knew we needed. Ministering to churches is actually why Brentwood Builders was created, and it remains a major emphasis of their company since. They know how to work with the unique dynamics that accompany churches and ministries. And then finally, they had an outside perspective. Though their ministry background helps them understand our church's specializations and priorities, they still can approach our facilities and ministry needs from an outside objective perspective and give that unbiased counsel that we need in making this church building the most effective tool for ministry possible. So Brentwood Builders' qualifications matched. Second, their quality was excellent. You can see examples of this. If you look up their work online, they really sit down with each church, get a read on their church's ministry and culture and priorities and principles, and they reflect that beautifully in what they create and do. On top of that, they showed us various examples of other churches that they've worked with, and then beyond even that, as a goals committee, we traveled south of Dayton to Centerville Christian Fellowship, where Brentwood Builders helped a church a lot like ours through the master planning and design build process, and the result was beautiful. So their qualifications matched, their quality was excellent, and then finally, Brentwood Builders just gets our ministry mindset. I don't know how else to say that. And this is the quality that really impressed us as we were meeting with them as church leaders. The founders of the company are, simply put, brothers in Christ and are members of a church just like ours of like faith and practice. And that's important because they don't have to struggle to understand how our church's ministry is different than a business or different than a Catholic church or different than even many other evangelical churches. They get where we're coming from in terms of our emphasis on the doctrines of grace and the priority of scripture, prayer, and godly fellowship. And they know what it's like to work with people in a church and patiently sit down and talk to each and every ministry in order to create an effective master plan that works. They've done it, and they delight in doing that. So their qualifications matched, their quality was excellent, and their heart for ministry aligned with our own. After experiencing all of this, uh, we believe we found a match, a company uniquely equipped to help guide us as a church in both addressing needed ministry repairs to our building as well as investing in it to make it the most effective tool for ministry for years to come. We believe Brentwood Builders is that company. And we want to get you, uh, we want you to get a feel for this as well. And uh, that's why next Sunday night, we're going to have another special Sunday evening meetup where you can come out And you can listen to a representative from Brentwood Builders, Chad Coe, present the history and heartbeat that Brentwood Builders possesses. And we're confident that when you will listen to them, that you will get a taste of why they stood out to us as a company to go with to help us meet our current facility and ministry needs and repairs for the glory of God. So that was a lot of information I just dumped on you, and I understand that. I want you to understand this is what happens next, okay? This is what happens next. This is a path forward. This week, a posting of the proposal and its specific wording to be voted on will be put on the bulletin board in the back, which all of you can look over and prayerfully consider for many, many weeks. Then, next Sunday evening, we're going to have Brentwood Builders give a presentation for you to get a taste of their company's character and craftsmanship. And then, from... From that moment until our next business meeting on October 19th, after each worship service, 
The elders are going to be available in and around pastor's office to answer any questions you might have about the master plan proposal. You might have some questions that only Brentwood Builders can answer, and that'll give us time to get those answers and bring them back to you. Also, I want you to know that in addition to the elders being available, we're going to have a box located in the church office where you can drop off any questions you might have about this proposal from now until Sunday, October 16th. That evening, on October 16th, we're going to have a question and answer night where we will answer the questions that are submitted over the next several weeks. And so be sure to keep a lookout for that. And then finally, on October 19th, Lord willing, at 7 p.m., we will have our next quarterly business meeting where we will vote on this proposal as well as several smaller items that will be posted and announced in advance. If there's an affirmative vote uh, to move forward on the proposal, Brentwood Builders will be hired to begin the process of facility repair and improvement master plan creation. And this will entail about a year-long, just so you know, it'll entail about a year-long process going through our ministries, surveying our building and property, and working with an architect before any construction uh, would begin. But you can find out more about that next week when Chad, who knows way more about it than I do, comes and gives his presentation. In the meantime, what I'd encourage you to do is to look up Brentwood Builders. Look them up online. They are a company that did the excellent work that can be found over at Troy Christian Schools. Uh, they, you can also travel down to Centerville Christian Fellowship and get a tour of the work that they did uh, down there as well. Chad will give several more examples of their work next week. And if you have any questions, please come and talk to me or any one of the elders, and we would be more than happy to chat with you. Um, And most of all, just like with the first of how to steward and invest in our body, when it comes to stewarding and investing in our building, I would call on all of you to pray. To pray that God would give us wisdom as we seek as a body to faithfully steward and invest in the gifts that God has given us, both with this church building, body and with this church building for the glory of God. So in light of that, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we've had as a church tonight to just sit down and consider where you might be leading us as a congregation. Father, I thank you so much for what you have been doing in our midst. I thank you for how you have been adding to our number and how you have been working in people's hearts and minds and how there is this desire uh, among the body to be discipled and to grow and to become more like Christ, beginning in their personal lives, and then in their families, and then, Father, even in the church. Father, that is a movement that comes by Your Spirit. And, Father, we want to give You thanks for that. And then, Father, we thank You even for this gift of a church building. What a gracious gift You have given us to have this place set aside to carrying out this mission that we have as a church to make and mature disciples of Jesus Christ. Father, help us to be faithful in stewarding and investing in this gift as well. Father, I just pray that you would give us wisdom in the days and weeks to come. Help us to be faithful in prayer. And Father, I just pray that at the end of it all, we would just rejoice by seeing how you have shepherded us through this time and through this moment for the honor and glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.